Good morning. I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I'm so glad to see all of you here today. Thank you for coming, especially our guests who are with us. We also welcome those of you watching online or listening to our podcast and are just glad that you are spending some time with us today as well. Uh, what an exciting day to be in God's presence here in the theater. We believe that God's vision for our church is to be the spiritual crossroads of the South Park community leading people to life rich in Christ. And we're excited to be in the theater as we see this as a place where the sacred and secular can intersect. And what a fun place to do a, a, a message series throughout the summer called Summer at the Movies. And we're going to have fun today looking at scripture and diving into this old classic movie uh, with John Candy and Steve Martin. So I'm glad you're here today. And I think we should have a lot of fun and we're going to have a chance to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion today. So it's a great day to be together. Before we jump in, I just would invite you to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word today, that we would all hear it and allow God's story to become part of our story. Let's pray about that together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Neil Page was an executive from Chicago, and he traveled to do some work in New York City the week before Thanksgiving. Things went well on his business trip, and he's getting ready to go back home, uh, but ran into some trouble. Lots of weather going on, and so planes were grounded, and so he had to find an alternative way to get back to Chicago, and people were freaking out, and hotel rooms were filling up, and car rentals were, were selling out, and, uh, and so he begins this journey to try and get back home in time for Thanksgiving. And along the way, he meets a man named Dale Griffith, a big kind of teddy bear kind of a guy who uh, sells shower uh, curtain rings and uh, kind of intrudes upon Neil's life and kind of like just kind of sucks into his life and and wants to travel with him on the way to Chicago because that's where he's going. And so these two begin this haphazard uh, trip from New York City to Chicago. And the, the name of the movie is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. And that's what they end up taking all sorts of manner of transportation to get back, trying to get back for Thanksgiving. And it's full of stress and anxiety and humor and this misadventure of these two men. And again, Neil's wanting to travel on his own, but he somehow has gotten stuck with Dell. But Neil, Steve Martin's character, really just gets fed up with Dell, John Candy's character. At one point, they're sharing a, a, a motel room. It's not a hotel, it's a motel, and it's a sleazy dive, and they couldn't even get two beds. They get like one full-size bed. They're having to sleep in that bed together, and Dell's just annoying, and he's loud, and he's messy, and so with all these misadventures, finally, Neil just snaps and tells him exactly what he thinks of him. We've probably all wanted to let go like Steve Martin did in that scene and just really tell people what we think of them. But then we see how hurtful our words can be and how hurt John Candy's character was and that maybe, just maybe, there was more to the story that Steve Martin's character didn't understand. And he might have benefited from some of the scriptures that we have from uh, the book of James in the New Testament, chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. 
Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now sometimes human anger can be good, but sometimes it can be harmful. And so be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to get angry. Then Jesus has this to offer in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. Do not, be ju- do not judge or you too will be judged. From the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Do not judge or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, Jesus is talking about judging on a couple of levels here. One of them is, you know, to make a judgment about someone's guilt or, you know, we see someone who's murdered someone, we say, that's a bad person. Someone who's robbed a bank, that's a bad person. Or, you know, you're a drug user. There's something wrong with you, right, that we judge people's actions and and we we assign guilt. But we're not supposed to because we're not God. We're not God Almighty, the, the one and only judge, but we do that. I think we also do other types of judgments. I think Pastor Nancy was talking about during her prayer time, and I think what Jesus also means here, it's not just judging in the way that I just mentioned about assigning guilt for someone's actions, but I think it's also about those first impressions that we get from people. Or everyday evaluation. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a loser. Or a redneck, or a, a snob, or oh, they're just a, some old poor person, you know, and so we're quick to make these kinds of judgments. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is warning us against as well, that that's not kind of judgment that, that we're supposed to be doing. And that's hard, right? It's hard not to do that because we're humans and we have this brokenness inside of us. And, and it's easy for us to jump and, and to make assumptions and, and label people. But Jesus really warns us that we can get into trouble and, and that maybe there's more to the story of the people that we're encountering and judging than we know. I was thinking about that and thinking about Jesus' life and that if, if people just saw you know, a snapshot of Jesus in action, that they, they might have missed out on the whole picture. If we just read one part of Jesus' story in the gospel, we might not fully understand who Jesus is. And I was thinking about you know, when Jesus, near the end of his life, he was in the city of Jerusalem, the capital of Israel in the first century, and he went into the religious place of worship called the temple and, and he was very upset because some bad things were going on there and he, he walked into the temple area and he started flipping over tables and he was just furious and that if that had been someone's only impression of Jesus and they, they saw him lose it and just get really upset and angry and start throwing things around, they'd probably say, that guy has a problem. Right? He needs anger management classes or something, right? He's just volatile. Like, who is that guy? What's his problem? And even though Jesus didn't do anything wrong and he was passionate for the right reasons and he didn't hurt anyone, he was trying to make a point and he drove that point home. If that's all we saw of Jesus, we would miss a whole lot. We would have missed when he came into Jerusalem and he looked out over the city and he, he, was, he was so overcome by emotion because all that God wants to do and sent him to do is to love the people of Israel and, and they were rebelling against him and, and it just it, it, it caught him up so much that he just wept. He just wept over Jerusalem. And, but if all we see is him flipping tables, then we're going to miss the whole story and we're not going to see that side of Jesus where his heart is just moved for people who are far from him. 
Or some people, if they got word of one day Jesus was with his disciples in one place and his, his friends Mary and Martha and Lazarus, right? These two sisters and brother were over somewhere else and Lazarus was sick and Mary and Martha send word for Jesus to come back and help and, and Jesus intentionally delays and, and then in his time that he's delaying, Lazarus dies. And if people just saw that slice of Jesus' life, they'd see him as cold-hearted and, and indifferent. And, and what kind of a, a mean person would do that? And they'd miss the story that then Jesus goes back and he meets with Mary and Martha. And when he, and when he sees them, then he just breaks down in tears because his friend is dead. And, but then they'd also miss the part about where he brings Lazarus back to life. And the reason he delayed was to, to create and conduct this miracle to show who he was, the Son of God. And he has power over life and death. And, and to see the joy and, and Lazarus coming back to life and being reunited with his sisters. If we just saw the first part, then we wouldn't understand what Jesus was really doing. We would have made a snap judgment. This man is indifferent and cold and he doesn't care. So sometimes we see him as anger. Sometimes we see him as indifferent and we miss the, the loving parts of Jesus. Some would see him as being arrogant. Early in his ministry, he went back to his hometown of Nazareth where he, where he grew up and he began to teach the Bible to people. And, and he even had the audacity to say that, that parts of the scripture talking about the Messiah were coming true and that he was the one who's fulfilling that. And and the people of Nazareth are like, who is this? Isn't that Joseph's little boy? Right? He grew up right here in Nazareth and, and now he comes back and, oh, he's high and mighty. Now he was too good for us and he's trying to tell us what the Bible says. And he's saying that he's all in the Bible. And how, who is this arrogant guy to be able to do that? They were so judgmental that they tried to throw him off a cliff and to kill him. And they missed out on the part of Jesus that he left heaven to come to earth to become a human being because he loves us and wants to be in a relationship with us. It's like if we could leave our human bodies and become slugs to go and try and save all of the slugs. Like it's a big humbling sacrifice that he made for us. Right? So Jesus, he did that for us. Right? They would have missed that whole part of Jesus where where he goes and he gets down on his feet, on his knees, and, and he washes the feet of his disciples, right? These stinky, nasty feet that, you know, wearing sandals out in the desert. And, and, and he is the, the son of God, the, the teacher, the Messiah, right? The captain. And, and he's there washing their feet. And you see the arrogant moment, which wasn't really arrogance. It was just truth. And they'd miss out on the humility of Christ or the, the religious leaders in Jesus's day or the Roman, the Roman government. They saw Jesus as a threat to their power. And so they manipulated it so that they could kill him. And so the, the Jewish religious leaders, the Roman uh, secular government, right? They, they came together and they killed Jesus because they saw him as a threat to their power. And they totally missed out on the viewpoint of some other people who, who didn't see him as a threat. They saw him as the only hope for their lives, right? The family whose daughter died and, and they begged and pleaded with Jesus and he came and he brought her back to life for the, the father whose son was possessed by a demon, whatever that means, it can't be good and that Jesus healed him and cast out the demon or, or the woman who couldn't stop bleeding and no doctor could help her and Jesus immediately healed her. These people... On the one hand, would see Jesus as only a threat. They missed the entire side of Jesus as he's the only hope that we have. 
we make snap judgments and we don't take into account everything that's going on or are the Roman soldiers who, who tortured Jesus or the, or the people who were standing at the foot of the cross saying, oh, he's supposed to be God. Where's his power? He is such a weakling. Ha, this is no God. This is no Messiah, right? They see Jesus as this weak fool and they don't understand that he has all the power in the universe and if he wanted to, he'd call down millions of angels and taken them all out. He could have jumped off of the cross and just taken over the world. But he allowed himself to be weak. But really, he is super strong. But people made judgments and they totally didn't understand who he was. Or some people would say, wow, that's Jesus. That's the Son of God. That's, that's God Almighty sitting on the throne of heaven. What a wonderful life, nice, awesome existence that would be. I'd love to be the Son of God sitting on the throne of heaven. And, and they probably missed out the point that when he was a human being, when he was born, he had to be a refugee and flee out of the country of Israel to Egypt because there was a death sentence on his head. That all he came to do was to love people and to help people. And, and at the end of his life, everyone turned against him. One of his best friends sold him out. The rest of his friends scattered when that he needed them the most. He was falsely arrested and, and imprisoned for something he didn't do. And then he was nailed to a cross and killed. Didn't feel high and mighty then. Didn't feel too good for himself then. And, and so if we just judge one slice of Jesus' life, we're going to miss out on who he really is. And I'm guessing if you're like me, maybe you've had that happen to you. Where someone makes a, a judgment about you based on what color you are, or whether you're a male or female, or how much money you have, or where your house is, and, and what it looks like, or what kind of clothes you wear, or what kind of you know, car you drive, or maybe it's uh, you know, if you're tall or short or young or old, that someone makes a judgment about you that's completely off base. Because they don't have all the facts. They don't, they don't know the whole part of your story. Right? They just see a little snapshot. Or, or maybe they just catch you in a bad moment. Like the one time you yell at your children and your grandchildren. They're right there to see that. Or the one time that you, you forget to do your homework. Or you're the one time you do a sloppy job at work. Right? It's just so out of character. But if somebody sees that, they instantly label you as lazy or stupid or a terrible parent. Because they just have one piece of the puzzle. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because we're all judged. We're judged by other people. And a lot of times it is so unfair. There's a, a song by the rock band U2 called Invisible. And these are the lyrics. And I think that, you know, I certainly can identify with this. And, and, and Bono, the lead singer, says this. I'm more than you know. I'm more than you, than you see right here. I, I'm more than you will let me be. I'm more than you know. So many times people judge us. And they, they have no clue who we are. We're, we're so much more than what they know or what they can see. We're, we're so much more than they see right here in this moment at this time. We're so much more than they will let us be because they're so judgmental. And it just is, it doesn't, it's no fun to be judged. I guess my question is, if we don't like being judged, why are we so quick to judge other people? And to label them and to make assumptions about them based upon a five-second interaction or a 30-second interaction or a one-minute interaction and we see something and we just instantaneously put somebody in a box or a label and we just we figure them all out and we are clueless. And we make them feel like we feel and we're judged inappropriately. There was a lot more to Dale's story than Neil knew. He was homeless. His wife had died eight years ago. And he was just trying to make it in the world and 
find some people to hang out with and, and to be nice to him. And to Neil's credit, he gets it. And he totally turns around, right? He totally repents and he invites, you know, Dell into his life and into his Thanksgiving meal to come and be a part of his family. Which is this incredible transformation of this man from the beginning of the movie to the, to the end of this movie. And it reminds us that we never know the full story about the people that we judge. There's always parts of the, of the story that we just we don't know, and, and yet we make these snap judgments. And the only one who's qualified really to judge us is God. And God knows each and every one of us, and God knows all of the wrong and the bad things that we do, and God loves us anyway. Because God knows the full story. God knows that we've been created in God's image and that, that God loves us. And God knows that we are worthy enough for him to send his son into the world to die. That God loves us so much that he thinks we are worthy of sending his son into the world to die for us so that we can be made right in a relationship with God. And that's powerful. And that God, his grace, right, his unmerited favor that he shows for us is a part of of our story. And so I guess what I'm asking us to consider doing today is to cut the people in our lives some, some of the slack that God gives to us. To cut people some of the slack that, that God gives to us. Right? To be quick to listen and slow to speak and to be quick to try to understand and to be slow to judge because there's always more to the story than what our judgments will allow to cut the people in our lives some of the slack that God has given to us. Do not judge, brothers and sisters, because there's always part of the story that we just don't know. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.